My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, And I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. A few years ago, one of the strangest, not to mention tragic, stories made international headlines for good reason. A 49-year-old Russian woman died from a heart attack that was brought about by the shock of waking up at her own funeral. The poor woman was declared deceased by doctors only to wake up later in a coffin surrounded by sobbing relatives. She started screaming after realizing she was about to be buried alive, only to be rushed back to the hospital, where she was later declared dead, this time for real. Her devastated husband shared how her eyes fluttered and immediately we rushed her back to the hospital, but she only lived for another 12 minutes. The reality of recognizing the power of what we believe impacting who we are, our relationships to others, how we live and die, is rarely that dramatic, but perhaps it shouldn't be. For Catholics today, we celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, the most holy body and blood of Christ. We listen to Jesus' words in that gospel from John chapter 6, Words that have been studied and prayed with and reflected on for centuries. Words that we can investigate and recognize that Jesus is not speaking in parables or metaphors. He's not even answering people's open skepticism and doubts, questioning his teaching right there in front of him. These words will literally and figuratively be fleshed out in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
where that Passover meal, that last supper, becomes the model for us to follow. That in the Mass, believers can experience and encounter and receive the crucified and resurrected body of Jesus Christ in every age, in every space, outside of those specific historical occurrences. That Jesus has provided the means for us to most intimately relate to him by eating his body and drinking his blood under the appearances of bread and wine in this most sacred of meals with that promise that we heard in that reading, that doing so will make us live forever. Such boldness to say that Jesus, the man who was born in the manger over 2,000 years ago and preached to crowds and performed miracles and suffered, died, and even more spectacularly rose from the dead is as real here and now in that bread and wine consecrated into his body and blood in the Eucharist as he was back then? That's a pretty incredible statement. That's an astonishing belief. But some really hard truth here, it sure doesn't feel like that that belief has penetrated the hearts of many Catholics here in 2020. Prior to this viral pandemic, some Catholic leaders were shocked to find in recent polls that found nearly 70% of Catholics didn't believe what Jesus gave us in the Eucharist was his actual body and blood, selecting a symbol as their answer to the survey that was conducted. That shouldn't have been shocking when we've seen the numbers of people attending Mass every Sunday declining for decades among many other difficult realities, all indicators that would bear those survey numbers out. But even worse, once the pandemic did happen, Catholic leaders seemed to give life to these doubts, this unbelief, by allowing what we do here to be defined as non-essential, subjecting that shrinking minority who did want to receive this living bread to feel isolated and removed from being able to do so for now nearly three months. And I apologize to our Catholic people for this failure and have no answers to the many, many questions regarding all this. In charity, I can appreciate the, the physical health concerns we've been facing and wanting to be cautious about that and, and safe and help flatten the curves and so forth. But at the same time, I can't be silent about this either. I have not laid down my life as a man, I made promises of chastity, obedience, to be dedicated to prayer, to live simply for some mere symbol. I did that because I believe Jesus has called me to share in his priesthood as unworthy as I am and to stand in his place at this altar and to offer his very body and blood for the salvation of the world. Present tense. And if there's ever been a moment in our lifetimes, a present tense that needed his salvation, it sure feels like now to me. So no, live streaming masses is nowhere near an adequate response to the spiritual needs and hungers that people have. This is one of the biggest differences between Catholics and non-Catholics, the argument that we can encounter Christ in the scriptures and through our service and through our love of one another. Yes, that's all true, but Jesus is pretty explicit. We're not just to hug each other. We're not just to be good people. 
St. Augustine, in talking about the Eucharist, said, believe what you see, see what you believe, and become what you are, the body of Christ. So when we say amen to receiving, we're saying, yes, I believe this is the body and blood of Christ, and I will be the body of Christ to others. Someone who did that in a a pretty remarkable way just about 15 years ago at the very mature age of 15 himself was this young man named Carlo Acutis. Back in 2006, this computer genius used his programming skills to create a website called the Eucharistic Miracles of the World. The kid at age 14 spent an entire summer researching on his own volition these incredible stories of even more miraculous things surrounding the miracle that takes place at every Mass. Primarily because he was struck by the lack of belief of so many with regard to the Eucharist, including his own family. People used to travel great distances to see Jesus, he wondered. How come people wait in these long lines for a rock concert and our churches are empty? And so his goal was to to shake people's consciousness to say, let's get back to essentials. Timely, huh? Let's go back to filling the churches. And he did this first by managing to drag his relatives, his parents, to Mass every day. It was not the other way around. It wasn't his parents bringing the boy to Mass, but it was he who managed to get himself to Mass and then convince others to receive communion every day. Then when Carlo tragically was diagnosed with leukemia, he offered up his sufferings for the Pope. And then right before his death in 2006, he said, to always be close to Jesus, that was my life plan. I'm happy to die because I've lived my life without wasting even a minute of it doing things that wouldn't have pleased God. I only wish I could say the same. Pope Francis announced that he was going to beatify Carlo, advancing this young man's cause for sainthood back in February, and that beatification was supposed to have taken place this spring. But perhaps providentially it was delayed because of the pandemic, because this has allowed this young man's belief in the Eucharist to become more well-known at probably the perfect time after so many have been deprived of the body and blood of Christ, when even more have neglected the Eucharist. Carlo's belief can still be appreciated by logging onto his website. But even more importantly was the effect that he had on all of his family and friends. On the other extreme, the husband of that woman who woke up at her own funeral told a reporter, I am very angry. I want answers. She wasn't dead when they said she was and they could have saved her. What the doctors believed Because they believed she was dead, that belief resulted in a tragedy no one could have ever imagined. As public masses are set to resume here in New Jersey, and are doing so as well throughout the country and around the world, the question many commentators are asking is, will people come back? That's a sociological question. To me, the question is why? Why do people want to come back? If these three months of quarantine have done anything, then hopefully they've made us more reflective about 
who we are and what we believe. How those things shape what's most important and most essential to us. After more signs of death and destruction, more examples of hatred and division than any of us would have imagined we'd see and experience in just four months, Jesus' promise to feed us with his flesh so that we can live forever is pretty bold, pretty significant, and pretty important. And it could be ours if we truly believe.